Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm your co-host, John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time around, we're talking about Columbo Goes the Guillotine, or Guillotine. Uh, originally broadcast February 6th, 1989, starring Anthony Andrews, Karen Austin, Anthony Zerby, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo, written by William Reed Woodfield and directed by Leo Penn. And, of course, every episode of the Just One More Thing podcast, we're joined by a special guest who helps us talk about Columbo. This time around, it is Lee Beaton, writer and editor over at Tech Dirt. But before we bring Lee on, RJ, tell us all about Columbo Goes to the Gil team. All right. Well, Elliot Blake is an ex-con man and magician. Well, ex-con and con man and magician, posing as a psychic and using every trick in the book to get the Pentagon to shovel money at the Anaman Institute. When the military wants verified results, they call in Max Dyson, a noted debunker of psychic phenomena. Turns out, though, that Max and Elliot have a prison-based past, and when they work together to fleece the government out of defense dough, that's when Elliot decides it's payback time for past betrayal. So what happens when the Kreskin wannabe gets Max in a gimmicked guillotine? Did you guess a disembodied head rolling around on the floor in a pool of blood? Well, if you did, you must have ESP. And his first appearance since the 1970s, it's up to Columbo to solve a locked room mystery and figure out how these psychic scammers use time-honored con games to ply their craft. That's the episode. Uh, Lee, welcome to the program. And uh, we have you on because you kind of know a little bit more about the background of this episode uh, than we did initially. And, and if you could, for a little bit, uh, tell us a bit about that. Right, and uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I guess I can't say I know exactly the background of the episode. I haven't, but you, you know, know ta- way more than yeah. we knew because, like, <laughs> yeah, we, we exchanged some emails, and I said I kind of was at, at one point in the email. I said like, well, it kind of seems like the the Max Dyson character is kind of very similar to James Randi. I had no idea. Then you came back with stuff like, oh crap, there's a lot, there's there's a whole several levels to this. We had no idea about. Yeah. So I do very much think James Randi was probably the main inspiration. There is, you know, a longer tradition all the way back to sort of Houdini of magicians debunking that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. But James Randi has been the biggest name in that for a long time. And one of the things that really got him a lot of attention initially, uh, apart from, you know, his famous debunkings of Yuri Geller and Peter Popoff, who were some of the big con artists back in the day. Um, Uh, Thank you for calling them con artists. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I I have very little patience for that kind of thing myself as well. Yeah. Um, So one of the big things he did was in the late 70s and early 80s, a university got a bunch of money to study ESP to figure out if it was real, basically. And uh, he he contacted them and said, look, you know, to do this right, you need to bring in magicians to help you structure these or construct these tests because magicians know how to fake these things and they know how people might be faking these things and they can help you screen for that. But the scientists sort of reacted, now, nah, you know, what could we possibly learn from some magicians? So they went ahead with it. And And Randy then found a couple young magicians um, and he planted them in this program uh, to 
you know, pretend to be psychics. And very quickly they were, you know, the talk of the town amongst ESP researchers and they were impressing them with their ability to bend spoons and do all the Yuri Geller type stuff. Uh. And, uh, yeah. And, and then Randy himself started to leak the story that they were plants. Like a couple of years later, they studied them for quite a long time. Oh, really? And so, the, yeah. oh, wasn't oh. They, oh, this went on for a while then. Oh yeah. They studied oh, them for a, a full couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then as the university started to get wind of it, then they kind of tried to roll back some of their claims and they did some more rigorous tests and things. Um, but, you know, basically when he came out and revealed the whole story and the whole scam, it really discredited a lot of that type of research that had been done up to that point. Because, you know, I mean, if you want to say you want to go do scientific research to figure out if that stuff exists, that's fine. The truth is that when you do it rigorously, you always find that it doesn't exist, at least right. not and in any form right. we've seen. Right. And, and about and about like what year was uh, did this happen? Like when the early 80s? So, 80s? so it was 1979, I think oh, the okay. study started and then sort of 1982 or three that it sort of was finally all revealed and made totally clear what had happened. Which is such so because a- because Randy was doing this stuff for a while before that even. So you think they would kind of like, oh, well, you've been writing about this. You've been doing this sort of thing. Eh, maybe we should listen to you doing this because you made a lot of people look like idiots already up to this point. Yeah. And when you read about the ways they were tricking them, I mean, it really does make them look like idiots. Like now they try to say they try to say like, oh, you know, these were just the preliminary experiments and we hadn't moved on to the more rigorous experiments, blah, blah, blah. But some of the tricks are like, you know, these guys are blowing on paper to move it and saying they're moving it with their mind. <laughs> like so you've got, nice. you've got an, an 18 year old magician in a room full of scientists who are supposed to be studying this stuff and he's convincing them he's telepathic or telekinetic or whatever by blowing on a piece of paper. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> that's astonishing. Do you know any, any of the other tests? Cause that's something that's, I'm very curious about since the, uh, the linchpin of this episode is a, a what seemed like a, a complicated could not be faked psychic test right now that's actually i'd love to ask you guys about that as people who aren't familiar with the mentalism and the methods of this kind of thing what did you think of that experiment both when you saw it at first and then when it was explained towards the end oh i thought it from the start because i here's the thing my entire life i have uh loved con games i've always wanted but i just do not have the patience to be able to do that and there's part of me always kind of wishes I was able to do that sort of thing. So in the beginning, I kind of realized, like, oh, okay, he's he's running some kind of scam. There's a game. But I couldn't quite figure out what the hell it was. So, right. like, from the start, like, I, I've never been a believer in uh, psychic phenomena, paranormal, whatnot. So I, I knew it's like, okay, obviously from the start, this guy is, he's running some kind of scam, but I just couldn't figure out what it was. So that was my main issue with it. I know I had a lot of when this when this episode started. I was feeling a lot of dread because of the long run of television episodes where they have some kind of fake ESP study or general ESP study, and the end of the episode is always they leave but the question maybe open. It yeah, been? Oh, I was which like, no. I'm I'm so grateful that this episode was yes, just no, no. does it, not exist. It, it was it was great that that yeah it made that definitive thing saying like no it's it's a it's a con carney game. There you go. Yeah. And here's exactly how to do it. And they have Columbo in the end actually replicate it. You know, with the pat in the forehead, with the stress sweat in the booth. Oh, and all his the, acting all things. was great it for was that. It was wonderful yeah. in that part. Yeah. But, I mean, something that's interesting, though, we should also talk about the fact that the person who wrote this episode 
actually had a special connection to this. Uh, William Reed Woodfield, who, uh, if you'd like to let enlighten folks about that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about him. He was never a huge name in the magic scene, but I guess he was, you know, a photographer who then went into magic and then went into screenwriting. But, but for he also a while, had, like, he had a zine for a while. Like, yeah. He had a fanzine about yeah, magic. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then it got adopted into one of the bigger magic magazines as a column a, a little bit later on as well. So he's, you know, somewhat known as a writer. I mean, he certainly has a lot of knowledge and that comes through in the episode. All of the things that are talked about in the episode are, are basically accurate. And that routine with the, the map and everything is extremely well designed. Like I could see Darren Brown, the big UK magician or mentalist really, who's quite big there. I could see him doing that on one of his TV shows or something. It's a very well put together little trick. Oh yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, you know what I like so much about it is that the, the trick parts is fooling the, uh, the government agents who are out there. Yes. Do, it's the, the secret to how he knows what to draw on that paper is he was told. Yeah. Yes. So if you think about it, he'd have to remember 12 things because he has right. to remember one for each location. So there's a lot of each work, direction there's a lot of work yeah. behind it, which a lot of this stuff, if you're going to be like a really good running some kind of con game, you have to put in the work beforehand. Mm -hmm. right. And yeah. it's also not totally clear when he and Max figured that out after right. their conversation they do. Yeah, the yeah, they kind yeah. of... Because that, that's a bit of a cheat for me in this episode because... They had the conversation on the bridge, and it kind of seems to leave it as like, oh, well, he's still going to try to get him. But then, yeah, they don't show the audience their collusion after that. Because at some point between that and that, they decided like, oh, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll like uh, run the table on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, one more thing about Woodfield. Um, uh, one of the, 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 the shows he was um, wrote for quite a bit was Mission Impossible. And he's kind of credited with this turning point on the show Mission Impossible um, where he turned it from like, oh, just kind of like a standard spy thing to where every week it turned them into kind of running a con game on someone every single week, which actually kind of helped the show become more popular and more interesting because they were all wearing the costumes and actually kind of conning some other foreign power out of something. So he definitely had a lot of this in his writing where he did like pulled on the old, uh, the old kind of carny stuff. Yeah, I was reading a bit about that, and I've never watched the show, the Mission Impossible show, so I don't know directly what that's like. But, I mean, it makes sense. It, one of the interesting things about this whole world of magic and mentalism is its weird overlap with that world of con artists and, you know, false psychics and all of those things. And uh, it's, it's funny how the two intersect. Because there are, you know, there are other magicians and mentalists who don't like the people like randy who debunk because oh, right. you yeah. know they want to believe right uh, so it right. creates a lot of weird tensions there you know which is it strange because i mean it's, it's showbiz I and mean, it's all showbiz pretty much yeah. Yeah. so yeah. i wonder at what point you get to the point where you kind of delude yourself mm -hmm. that you think like oh well no i've actually got some kind of crazy powers like why i don't get it yeah because geller geller is one of those guys who like seem to be drinking his own kool-aid right did you yeah, guys get that feeling for, like it's so hard to tell, right? Like someone, yeah. a really good liar and someone who's convinced themselves are almost indistinguishable, right? So right. it's right. so hard point. to know for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, but so, one of my questions was, do you think, did, I've been watching James Randi since I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, like I actually remember the, the Peter Popov episode of Carson. Oh, they, really? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I stayed up for that. And I'm glad, I'm huh. glad I was like old enough that my parents knew I was staying up to watch it because that had me yelling. 
I was like, wow. It was, oh, I was screaming like a football game. I was so excited. Anyway, but the thing I've, whenever I, whenever James Randi releases a documentary or there's an interview with him, like I seem to remember this happening on 60 Minutes, where he, he has the opportunity to debunk something like horoscopes. You know, he does that trick where he gets a room of people and he writes out personal horoscopes for each of them based on their star sign. And they read it and everybody agrees, yeah, this horoscope really relates to me. And then he says, well, it's actually written for the person behind you. And they're all the and same. Then, <laughs> and they're, they're, yeah, they're basically the same. And so, but at the end of that, he'll ask, okay, who here no longer believes in astrology? And very few raise their hands like at best half the room and the other half is like well yeah you tricked me but it's still real right in that one documentary there's that i think i might even know the kind of one of the exact scenes you're thinking of because there's a kid in like a high school class who really gives him a hard time and really gets nasty with him about like well just because you tricked did this doesn't mean it's not real and i think you're being very close-minded and all this stuff you know yeah i mean that's the one there there's a certain like a sense for me of it's like, okay, well, if it helps you get through life, you know, whatever gets you through the night, that's fine. But when it gets to the point where it starts really tricking people and just bilking people out of, out of money and stuff like that, that's a point where you're kind of like, come on, stop. You got you to, gotta, like, stop yeah. these people from doing that. Yeah. You, get that. yeah. you get that urge to, like, lift a little kid away from, like, the open power outlet. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, this, is, this is now dangerous for you. <laughs> but for me, and though, if, if it's tricking uh, the Pentagon... In the late 80s, in the last uh, stage of the Cold War, out of millions of dollars, like in this episode, I'm fine with it. So go ahead. No, see, I'm not okay with that because that actually bothers me when the idea that the Pentagon starts believing in magic would be the worst thing in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would just be nobody would nobody would get body armor anymore. They would just get, like, chicken bones and mojo bags. Yeah. And they would just get murdered. Pure murder. I mean, there was actually a thing where I think it was the Pentagon purchased a bunch of of what amounted to dowsing rods. Oh my! God. Just because they had been dressed up in oh, all of this geez, talk was, as if they was, were all high tech and fancy. That was, uh, I think, in Iraq. So what? Well, yeah, was, I don't think it was us. I think it was like some other country had purchased. Oh, some maybe dowsing it was. Rods. Yeah. yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah, there was some company just selling those. Yeah, because it used to be here's like a mystical. Yeah, because yeah. it used to be like this metal is mystical or whatever. But these ones were like they had a big fancy handle on them that looked like it had a bunch of technology. Uh, you throw inside. you throw a bunch of LED lights on the yeah. at certain times randomly, <laughs> and there you go. You're yeah. fine. That's how you find yeah. lines with those. Yeah, it's just when it when it becomes a big thing when you have someone like Yuri Geller and that gets people more convinced that maybe psychic power is real or magic's real or some like bizarre idea is real. They start empowering large groups of people to do crazy shit. Right. Like, yeah. that's how you get doomsday cults. That's how you get, like, uh, <laughs> the Boxer Rebellion thinking they were bulletproof. Mm-hmm. You know, because of magic. That's how terrible things happen. You get, you get third-party candidates. It just gets crazy. You don't know where it stops. Dogs and cats. Living together. Living together. Mass, Mass hysteria. hysteria. Which, I, it really yeah. does bug me when that's like the larger the scale, the, the more it irritates me, which is why Yuri yeah. Geller, I think, is oh, has, has a sore spot. Right. For human beings, when stuff comes down to the wire, we want to turn to magic, but yeah. turning to rationalism is what will actually save us. Okay. <laughs> but then the, what's interesting is it's at the, at the core of magic, when it's done properly, when it's done as an art, when it's done as, and it, it's referred to many times in this episode as an art. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It, it actually is a form of rationalism. I mean, it's a form of entertainment. It's, it's like a thing showing that, okay, people can practice and, and really think things through and actually perform these things to make it look almost super. But it's not. Like, you have to keep... Well, I mean, there's, there's that one line about um, the, the kid that uh, Columbo works with where you have to... No, actually, Columbo has a line, I think, where he talks about, like, if you think about, like... No, it is the kid. He's having yes, the kid. You remember it's like, a trick, and you yes, don't forget it's a trick, and then you start as to figure it out. As soon as you do that, then you figure out how the trick works. Yeah. I as say that to people all stop. the time. Yes. That, that's, yeah. a, that's a perfect summary of all of that. You have to remember it's a trick and keep that in your head forever, and then you can figure out how it's mm-hmm. done. Yeah, no, that, that's a great line. Yeah, because yeah. whatever you just saw, there is a causal explanation of a link of normal mundane events that led to what you saw. Yeah. But your brain wants to go, it's impossible. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and but then a lot you of stop is, thinking about it. Yeah, you get distracted by someone because that's part of the whole act. That's part of the whole performance. To, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you remember the first magic act you figured out on your own? That's a good question. No, yeah. probably not. Though, I mean, I guess it depends how far you want to go. Because something like the guillotine or guillotine, for example, right? Yeah, I mean, right. that's a cool trick, you oh, know, and too. all that. But really, nobody can look at it for more than 30 seconds without going, hey, it's funny how that block above their neck is big enough to hide the whole blade inside of it. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And in case you didn't know how that trick worked, congratulations, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember well, mine. I think the first, the first act, the first comic or first magic act I ever saw where I figured out how he did everything was the Amazing Jonathan. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, but that's mostly because he's a comedy act, not as much of a, as a magic act. But. I think. I think my first one was uh, my parents pretending they loved each other. Oh, so anyway. That is a kind of magic. <laughs> Actually, I think one of the first for me might have been, you know, Penn and Teller had a bit on Just for Laughs. And it wasn't not me figuring it out, but, you know, they've been famous for sort of half giving sure. stuff away right. while half yes. tricks. And, yeah. and they did a routine on Just for Laughs, the comedy show where it's pal- uh, Teller smoking a cigarette, but he doesn't really have two oh. cigarettes. Oh, yes. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, such God, a good that's bit. a great one. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and that's my, my early magic memories. Because I, I was born in 1985, just to give that context, oh, if it helps me put me on the timeline. Yes. <laughs> 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 Oh, so you were wait, you were four years old when this episode came out. My yeah, goodness I, I have gracious. no wait, contemporary so, experience of Columbo whatsoever. So actually, that's a okay. Let's let's steer things towards actually talking about the episode. Yeah, we should. Columbo. <laughs> um, so then, how? So you are a fan of the show. How then did you, uh, being born nineteen eighty five, actually come to start watching the show and actually uh, enjoying the program? So. It was, as I um, as we had talked about also in the comments once, it was Stephen Fry on that British show QI, which oh, I don't know that. Okay. Um, it's a very fun British panel show where yeah, yeah. it's, you know, in the guise of a game show, but it's really just to give them a structure to just laugh and be funny and talk about stuff, right? right. And uh, it came up actually in a discussion of Socratic irony, which is what Columbo does, right? Presenting mm-hmm. yourself as silly, stupider than you are and asking for explanation. Um and sort of Stephen Fry said something about like Socrates or Columbo and someone kind of made a joke to call him out on that as though it was funny that to say Socrates and Columbo in the same breath. And it's quite amusing because Fry gets almost this very serious tone and is like, no, absolutely, I will mention them in the same breath. I'm not even sure which one is the greater mind, right? And then they had a brief conversation about how he thinks that's the greatest TV show of all time or or something like that. And that was enough to make me go, eh, maybe I should check that show out. Oh, I'm a pretty great. Fry. And then, you know, not, you know, an embarrassingly short amount of time later, I had watched all of the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 
even even the nineties ones. Yes, so oh I experienced goodness. that gap in almost no time. It might have even been the same day that I watched the last seventies one and the first eighty nine one, like well, this that's, one. Actually, yeah, I, that, that's the thing too. When we were uh, talking about the show, we talked we were talking about it uh, with the um, our last guest, uh, Manning Crawl, and I didn't realize um, that this was the very first one after that huge gap from the nineteen seventies. So it was like what seventy eight, seventy nine to eighty nine. That this was the first because in my head I always thought that the first uh, 80s, 90s one was that uh, Fisher Stevens one, Murder, Smoke, and Shadows. Because the way that one starts, the way that one introduces uh, Columbo is just kind of uh, this this nuts, very cheesy, like slow motion weird thing. I thought like, oh, well, that's obviously the one where they do mm. it. But this one, they do a little bit of that, but not as much. So I'm wondering like if maybe that one was shot in originally scheduled before this this one is so much better than that episode in just kind of giving you the oh well here's Columbo and he's just you know older than yeah. that one is like this one plays that so much better it's like this is Columbo he's a bit odd, odder a bit dottier and he's got glasses and then that's it but the rest of the time this plays for me like a very uh, kind of okay standard 70s original Columbo episode more than a lot of the 90s ones I've seen yeah, like I like this one a lot, but I also have never had as much hatred for the later ones as it seems like oh, a I, lot I, of oh, traditional Columbo fans do. Yeah, I don't hate it. Just kind of like, ah, they're they're different, slightly off. I mean, I right, yeah. But Columbo is not. That's the interesting thing. Like to me, when even when an episode has a weird tone, like you know that college one that's very nineties college I have movie. Have not seen it yet, but I want to see it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's fun. But it's just even when the tone of the episodes off, my feeling watching it is like, oh, so Columbo has it's, stumbled into this nineties. 90s TV world, and he's going to solve a mystery there. That's fine. He's still Columbo, and I enjoy watching him do his thing. Right? There, yeah, there's a lot of the a lot of the 90s episodes feel like it's Columbo guest starring on someone yeah. else's show. <laughs> like, that's a great, I, which is kind that's of a fun. great way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. that's a wonderful way to think about it. I think you could actually do time travel Columbo episodes, and they'd still be good. Like have him solve a murder mystery <laughs> in Elizabethan England, and like, we'll add that. We'll add that to the ongoing list of Columbo spinoffs that we've come yeah. up with. I still, I still kind of want to rewrite uh, Shakespeare's tragedy so that Columbo comes in in the middle and solves them. That would be <laughs> okay. fantastic. I just wanna, there's no longer a question of of whether the king and Hamlet was murdered. Columbo will find out, and he'll find the weapon. Um. <laughs> So I, I want to say, like, uh, the murder in this episode, I think is one of the most gruesome ones I've seen in one of these things, because, or at least even just discovery, well, actually, the murder itself is gruesome, but the discovery of the murder is weird and gruesome, because it's, yeah, you haven't seen yeah. Columbo in uh, a long time, if you're, like, just some viewer at home, 1989, and you're waiting through 20 minutes thing, you see a guy get his head chopped off in a magic guillotine, and uh, then the next commercial break, I see, oh, there's Columbo. There's these close-up shots of him in the old car, lighting his uh, cigar, uh, rain-soaked street. Walks into a, well, he's very nice to a cop outside. Walks in, and then you see, oh, it's blood dropping from the ceiling into a bucket. Right. And that's how they introduce the murder to Columbo, which is kind of more brutal than a lot of the 70s ones did it. I think. I'm sure there must have been some some urgency on behalf of the uh, of the producers and the directors to really underline that this was not just going to be a throwback to what TV was like 10 years earlier. Yeah, that seemed because it just seemed yeah. so blunt and, and mm-hmm. gross and creepy and just interesting that there's like, oh, well, okay. 
Here's a bucket of goddamn blood. Yeah. Though, is Let's it also not kind of really weird how the ex-cop bartender would only talk to homicide? If you have a workshop above you with power tools and stuff in it, and then you <laughs> yeah, see blood, no, and then you just call point. an ambulance, yeah. like you're not yeah. going to be like, oh, it must have been a murder. I'm not letting anybody up there. Until I haven't been on the force in 20 years, but I'm very concerned about jurisdiction still. Yeah. <laughs> I was a stickler for that back when I was on the beat, and now, well, I don't want to give that up. Like maybe someone just cut citizen. themselves and is bleeding out on the floor up there. <laughs> for wait, yeah, waiting for God knows how long. If it took enough time to like, well, I got out of the basement. I have to get the bucket. Oh, and I can't find it. Yeah, did oh, he get okay. the bucket first, or did he call first? Oh, uh, <laughs> I should wipe this up. Okay, well, I get the bucket. Yeah, it could have been like an hour or so that this guy was. I mean, it's not like they were going to get to him in time. His head was off, but still, yeah, it was. It was a weird, unpleasant, strange thing. I think if maybe there's that much blood and you didn't hear an ow beforehand, that you assume the guy's dead. Yes, that, it's probably, probably sa- it's probably safe if nobody. But even though, still, yeah, you should. You, Leah's a good point. You should have called somebody else. As <laughs> yeah, like, oh, a cop came. Well, you're not the right kind of cop. I want the proper kind of cop that you have to call at home in the middle of the night to come in. I don't know. It was strange. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So, oh, I know. I was going to ask the Animan Institute. I didn't know that also was a reference, right? Uh, the, yeah. name, the, the name of the uh, the um, parapsychology uh, research institute in this. Uh, what what is the Animan Institute a reference to? So Theo Animan was one of the big early thinkers in sort of performance mentalism, and his book on a bunch of the methods and tricks and stuff is still sort of one of the Bibles in that field, and it's what's sort of given first to people who want to learn it and stuff like that. Oh. So which is funny because it's exactly what you would not name your institute for real psychic <laughs> research or like after one of the most famous tricksters of that field. Well, things I, I'm wondering about that too. I mean uh, – Folks, you know, in, in the magic community, uh, uh, or things you've read online and whatnot, does anybody ever talk about this episode? Because it seems like this would be some sort of pretty interesting thing that was just out there on, on national broadcast television in the, in the U.S. and just laid out so much interesting stuff, like secrets of how this junk was done and just like the debunking and everything else. Like, I'm wondering, did this make a stir back then? I'd be really curious to know if it did. Yeah, see, I've tried to figure that out, and I always do ask magicians that I talk to, both online and in real life, about it, and it oh, just really? seems... Oh, really? That's great! I, except that it, none of them wow. know what I'm talking about, because it doesn't Weird. seem like this episode's very well known. And I it even... Like it should be! I know, me t- I think so too, because it's really good, and it's, you know, it really portrays magic well, except for oh, the yeah. magician's funeral, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Oh my about god! Oh, I love that thing. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Okay, we'll do that next, because that yeah. was, oh my goodness, that's a crazy thing, but yes... Yeah. But it also would be controversial with some because some are very sensitive. I think oversensitive about revelations of certain things. I mean, you know, it people can get a little it's like, over. In this day and age, we know wrestling is fake. We can do yeah, the same right. thing about magic. Magic, it's a performance art. It's like acting. It, it's it's this yeah, yeah. interesting too, craft. Like if you, if you can, just because you can maybe hit C above C, it doesn't make you an opera singer. Yeah, just because I know how you force a card. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm a magician. It doesn't ruin the trick. It's still neat. Yeah, no, and it's, it's still also, also to see someone do it well. Yeah. 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 And also if you can come up with something clever that's new and you can keep it a secret for a while, great. But it's not gonna cause any harm when people start to figure it out. But yeah. then beyond that, some of these methods are literally 
centuries old. I mean, there right. are tricks that we have records of being done in Egypt and stuff that are being done yeah, still the same way today. You can't expect that the, to stay uh, a secret. <laughs> spe- speaking of QI, what's the oldest trick in the book? It was an old Egyptian trick. It might have, I think it was pulling a goose out of a hat it, or something. It was pulling the head off of a dove or off of a bird oh, okay. or something. Yeah. Which I've that seen. Ain't, that I've ain't seen much of a trick. Okay, well, I'm then restoring it. Sorry. That's, oh, okay. it's, that's exactly the joke the that the, the co-host on the show made. Okay. She's like, that's, that's an easy trick. He can pull yeah. that off anything. I, 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 force. Li- I literally saw Harry Blackstone Jr. do that when I was like eight years old. He really? did a little trick that pulled the head off yeah. a dove and then put it back and the dove flew away. I think, yeah. I think I know why there probably is a blind spot for this episode in that community. They're probably still very angry about the Jack Cassidy episode. Yeah, now you see possible. him. They're still yeah. mad about that. Which also, that like, also oh, <laughs> Damn you, Columbo. Yeah. And he that wasn't one also, in the box. Because he says he's never seen the finger guillotine thing before. I but know, he did yes. have oh, it yeah, yeah, yeah. on yes. his hand back yes. then. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a. Yeah. You got to yeah. lie if you're Columbo. Continuity. F- yeah, that's it. That's We'll chalk it up to that. We'll give yeah. him better for the doubt. It's that good old Columbo <laughs> lying if you don't know if he's lying or not. So is this a part of the magician community? If somebody in the community dies, you have to dress like Fab Five Freddy yeah. from the Rapture video. That? For one, one, one. I, one, I, I love no that it continues. That I love what I love that continues a uh, fun tradition of Columbo just creeping around funerals. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. Because Columbo does that a lot, but this one, Columbo isn't the creepiest thing at the funeral. It's. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Uh, for the folks who haven't seen it, and you really ought to, it's, it's on the DVDs. I'm sure you can find it uh, using other internet means, lying around the floor of the internet. Um, you can find this episode. But the funeral for, for the amazing Max, uh, he is sent off by his uh, uh, magic cronies. They're all wearing white suits, and each one steps up to show off over his casket pretty much. Uh, throwing a magic wand on there after making it into flowers and didn't half uh, setting off a, a dove. It just—it's the weirdest darned thing in the world. I don't understand well, it. Also, the stuff they say about like the like the first bit was actually okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Of, because, and then the second because, bit was like the grandmaster of the universe has right, called him into his secret the guy circle. Doing, yeah, oh, yeah, the guy doing the service weird. is a magician too. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. But see, and that's oh he's goodness. like a lifelong skeptic dedicated to disproving magical and psychic stuff. He would not want, want that. that weird crap. It is unless he did because he thought it was funny. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe he has a weird sense of humor. Then yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's just it's just like sh- you know, if you had if you're an actor and you died and people come and they just start doing monologues of your casket, just showing right. off. It's just weird. Why would you? It's the bizarrest thing. It seems like it's some kind of weird parody. What would they do with mine? It'd be fucking terrible. Just a bunch of cartoonists slaving over drawings and then erasing them and getting pissed. (laughs) And then nobody finishes it and the funeral runs on for hours. Oh, yeah. Mine would be uh, uh, people forgetting and they're at a a restaurant (laughs) down the street. (laughs) How does that relate to your job? It doesn't. Just my life in general. (laughs) Uh, okay. <laughs> that's what it is yeah uh, so the uh, I want to talk about a scene that uh, speaking of cartooning because you know I when I watch these things I, I tend to be drawing at the same time so I miss a lot that goes on on the screen and there's a scene well that's that's good to know no you know, 13 visually. episodes into this that's good to know 
I've said it before. That we ever get like 15%, uh, 50% watching the shows to actually talk about it. But go ahead, John, please. Please do. Anyway. Uh, but there's a scene where Columbo is down in the magic shop underneath Max's workshop talking with the fellow who runs the magic shop. And they're, they're having a drink mm-hmm. to commemorate Max. And the whole time, the, the man who runs the magic shop is wearing like an old-fashioned peaked wizard's cap. Yes. Yes. And then the last thing he as does. As one before, does. As one does. Before they toast Max Dyson is that he reaches over and he picks up a second cap and puts it on Columbo's head. Here's what I missed the first two times I saw that episode. Him putting the cap on Columbo's head. So what did you think happened then? I thought, it had been, I thought it had been magicked on. What? Why? I thought, it doesn't I thought, fit with anything else in this thing. What? I thought the directors were being cute. I thought it was just, I'm Columbo, I'm sitting here without a hat. And then when they actually toast him, they're both wearing hats. Okay, then. That makes it's sense. A good, it would be a good trick. I guess so. But the... He just all of a sudden, Columbo was wearing a hat, you thought, two times. And did you think, like, oh, that's weird? Or were you kind of like, that, that, no, I, that doesn't work. You're kind of like, eh, okay. And then he went back to drawing. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, that's my favorite. All right. That's fine, then. I didn't notice the hat thing at all, so. <laughs> I didn't know he it's wore a hat. Hard to miss. I just like it when Columbo, when Columbo agrees to take a drink. I always think it's an interesting scene because there's so many scenes but of him refusing happen. to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll be- so you, I think he's only done it three or four times that I can remember. Yes. And I, I honestly don't think he's ever had a drink with a guy he didn't suspect was the murderer. Also, oh, no, no, one no, of the... No, he did, he did with uh, um, uh, Myrna Loy. He ended up having one with Myrna Loy. Oh, yeah, okay. Black. Yeah, yeah. Also, one of the last times he drinks is in the last episode of the 70s with the Irish revolutionary guy. Right, right. Who he drinks with. So it's uh... actually the previous episode to this one is the last time he ever had a drink. <laughs> Oh, nice. weird. Oh, okay. You know, the, uh, one of the other changes from the 70s and the 80s was the, the motive, because we talk about this all the time, how usually there's an element of blackmail or something, or something that slightly justifies the murderer's actions, and in this one, there really wasn't. This well, was... Yeah, well, now wait. <laughs> because the guy had... It's left him in prison for three years. Left just, him yeah. in a Ugandan prison for three years, and he had taken that with him for a long... I mean, yeah, I don't know. But he the was, last he thing was, he did, he really made up for it. I mean, he basically just gave that guy a, a lifetime as a billionaire psychic. That's, that's true. true. He did give him... Yeah, yeah. that's true. It but was I think, I, think it, I think it wasn't just that. I think, I think yeah, actually, they were... Uh, lovers too in prison, so I think it was not just the betrayal of the um, uh, finding out, like, oh, you were going to escape, and I got out early. I think there was also a relationship issue there too that he was also very angry about. So I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot more to it. I think there's a lot more to it than just, oh, you sold me out to the prison guards. I think it was, yeah, I think it was, there was also a relationship that got uh, broken up and betrayed there as well. They did say two different times, I think. Or he did, uh, Max said twice after everything we meant to each other or something yes. like that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and even, and even the, uh, the, the fellow who, uh, ran the magic shop too, uh, with a, with, who magically made a wizard's hat appear on Columbo's head. Good scene. He just kind of, he just kind of said in his breath, like, I loved him too. So I think, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think there was definitely, yeah. um, a relationship back in Uganda that, went sour also and he just kept the bitterness for that over the years and that's not justifying murder but I'm saying that is a motive 
I mean, there was there's a lot of stuff there for him. There's a lot of pent- but it was pure revenge. The guy held. Oh up. yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Like even Dick Van Dyke kind of had to had somebody holding something over him more or less. That's true. Yeah, yeah like the older was, version yeah. would have been him killing him to stop him from exposing as a psychic or something like that. Ex- exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, I guess it would have been back then. Yeah, they probably would have done that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. But this one, it just and and actually his his. Uh, Anthony Andrews, that guy, which I think uh, before we uh, got on the call, uh, John brought up, like, has that guy been in anything else? Because <laughs> he was okay in this, but he had some odd line readings. <laughs> like, his thing about the three years, Max. Like, he just, it was just this weird, <laughs> strangled, odd, peculiar thing that just kind of, yeah. The whole exchange on the bridge felt weird between the two of them. Just the yeah. whole conversation didn't feel right. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was, was really strange. I was gathering that his accent was meant to be fake, like we were supposed, like it was a fabrication, like everything else. Which was interesting to me that it was this kind of episode to get like that kind of character, a magician, because that also was kind of the situation with uh, Jack Cassidy's character in um, Now You See Him. He's this guy who completely reinvented a new identity and yeah. then bouncing around from thing to thing and was just a completely different guy that uh, didn't show up in. Um, Focus old papers and whatnot, and then he was in this one. He was trying to escape again to have a completely different identity, just to get away from everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried escaping uh, via a guy from the defense department, uh, played by an actor named Alan Fudge, which I love. Really? Yes, the actor's name is Alan Fudge. Not the best name on this episode, though. Oh, what was the best name on this episode, John? The I believe it was the production designer was named Arch Bacon. Arch Bacon and Alan wow. Fudge working on the same <laughs> episode of television. Arch Bacon, not to be confused with Camp Ham. Oh, I'm looking at my um uh no, it's one other there was like a great Columbus actually there's a lot of really good just good old fashioned seventies uh, Columbo uh investigating and working when you didn't see him working. That caught mm-hmm. a lot of that that sometimes I don't think is always there in the 90s ones. Because um, when he first gets to the scene, there's a very long sequence of him just examining everything. And there's that also thing that um, once the other cops come into the place, the medical examiner is in the background saying, like, oh, I can take that to the bank. I think this is what happens. Yeah. But he's completely wrong on every single thing. And Columbo is just pretty much in the foreground ignoring him, encountering it. Uh, but then later on, um, this one scene I'd written down, um, when originally he is with uh, Elliot Blake, and they're at the Institute, and Blake's taking him through the whole uh, uh, ESP cards thing, as he calls them. You know, with the wavy lines, and the star, yeah. the box, and everything, or, the cross. Or Zenner cards, you well, might have heard them say at the very beginning, and that's what they are really called. Zenner yes, well, was one of the guys, yeah. That's the thing, because later on, uh, when Columbo confronts him at the Yacht Club, which is a very 70s Columbo scene. Yes. <laughs> Confronts him at the Yacht Club. <laughs> From the start, Columbo was calling them Zenner cards. Yeah, and it's like a subtle tip-off. Like, yes, I've like, been learning I've, about I've your thing. I've been studying. Yeah. I've been reading. I know exactly how the hell this stuff works. I know the terminology, which I thought was such a great, great way to throw him off guard. Like, Columbo yeah. actually knows. Like, oh, I was up all night with uh, Mrs. Columbo working on the Zenner cards. It's just this nice thing, like, oh, he didn't call him that before. He did, wouldn't have known from this guy that that's what they're called for real. 
And then that has the great moment where Columbo says, I don't know if I should tell you how I did that because you're not a magician. Yes. (laughs) I love that. I love that line. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of the Zenner cards, there is something I wanted to do. Uh, RJ? Yes. uh, I'm currently looking at a circle. Okay. True true or false? Um, True. You're psychic. Oh, boy. Lee, Uh Lee? I'm Uh-oh. currently looking at a triangle. False. You're also psychic. Oh my god! At wavy lines. Congratulations, everybody. Psychic. Do you Thanks. do you have a set of Zenner cards? No, I literally just drew them on my hand at one point. Oh, okay. But I, inexplicably, I was really doing it. I was actually looking at. I didn't have right. to. I could just right. It's radio. Because because do you want to know how I guessed? Because in guess? most in most sets of Zenner cards, they don't actually have a triangle. Only some sets have that. It's quite rare. Oh. <laughs> Nice. Well, how about if he had some sort of rare collector set of center cards? (laughs) Yeah, you never know. The ones that Jack Kirby drew back in the... I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Nicely played. Um... But yeah, no, that to Columbo, because I also got the impression that Columbo knew what pencil reading was from that very first scene, because he makes his drawings so huge and bold and obvious. Yes. Well, actually, uh, let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, the pencil drawing. Uh, go uh, yeah, go ahead. Let the folks know what that was exactly. I mean, that's that's a real technique. I mean, yes. that's something that you could call an exposure of a magician's secret. But it's one that you know people will figure out pretty well. It's it's you know in real usage, it's not the sort of thing you would maybe rely on or build a whole trick around. But it's sort of there in your toolkit if you know things if, come if, up. If someone's dumb enough not to be subtle when they're doing the drawing, you exactly. gotta take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah, You'll so you can turn what shape. would have been a one trick into an even cooler trick because you've picked up that information that way or whatnot, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, their little their little exchange with it is a neat, I think, you know, from the writer being a magician, that was his attempt to just sort of introduce one simple real method that he knew he wouldn't get in too much trouble for revealing kind of thing to get people thinking in the right direction, probably. Well, I mean, there's, one, there's a weird little uh, bit just before that because uh, uh, when Columbo first goes to the Institute... And uh, the head, she's not, she tells him to, like, wait in her office. And he just kind of gloms on to that uh, group of defense people going on the tour of the place. And you see the crazy Which is stuff. great Columbo glomming, by the way. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And you see this plant screaming. You, you see the folks uh, reading uh, colors okay. with their fingers. You see, like, um, yeah, uh, the, weird, the really weird thing we... where <laughs> the really we... weird thing, too, where, like, there's a bunch of people in some room. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of, from a bunch of different nations. And there's this really quiet thing where Columbo leans into the person next to him and goes, like, uh, he's from India or something yeah. like that, which is nuts. Uh, how did he tell that he was from India? I have no <laughs> idea. I, I like to think that those are actually actors the Institute hired to impress the government oh, probably. and make it look like they yeah. had a big international thing going on. <laughs> but it gets it to the point where um, uh, Blake actually comes across him. He's like, oh, Lieutenant Colombo. And he's like, how did you know that? Oh, your name tag. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people will do that, you know, where yeah. it's like, the, oh, I knew who you were. And no, he just says like, well, no, it's on your name tag. So, yeah. But I think Columbo knew again, and he right there starts playing Patsy to this guy. Like oh, he's yeah. like, I oh, know this guy's a con artist. From yeah. the first, from the get go, he's, he's so he's so over, over the top and yes. how impressed he is over the name thing. Yes, <laughs> yeah, all of it. He is just acting so credulous about everything this guy is doing. But the same, but he's doing it in that way that Columbo does, where oh no, I I'm your friend. I can't believe you're doing this. I'm so impressed. But then you also have the very distinct impression, like, I know it was you, you bastard. You're the murderer. Yeah. And I'm going to figure oh, it out. Yeah. 
also tiny random detail from that tour but when Columbo says is that an isolation booth and Elliot is like isolation chamber and I was just like what an asshole yes. oh my god that, yeah you're right that's great the whole thing to just try to uh, impress the uh, right. impress the outside this isn't one of those low rent ESP study halls with booths yeah. right <laughs> We have a chamber. Yeah, he gets caught, though, talking to that plant when uh, when uh, Blake walks up to him. Yeah, yes. the plant bugged me so much that's that I had to Because occasionally with things like that, you'll be like, well, that's ridiculous. And then it'll turn out there is some weird thing in nature that's actually kind of like that. But no, not no, the case at all. I Googled a screaming plant. Yeah. I did yeah, find a YouTube video of a guy who made a synthesizer that's controlled by touching the leaves of a plant, and that was pretty cool. Nice. But that's the oh, closest hey, I could find cool. to it. Yeah, I'd get one of those. That's, well, the, it was the thing that somebody was obviously shaking the plant that bugged me so much. Like yeah. the plant was <laughs> quivering in fear, which I we yeah. everyone in the world knows that's not what happens because we've seen plants before. Yeah. Yes. Though here's a fun fact that I also know from that QI show. Actually, there is a plant that when it sent, it can tell when a giraffe has started to eat it, and it, it releases a chemical that makes it change to taste not as good to them. But then what's really crazy is that it also releases a chemical into the air that causes other plants like it nearby to change as well. So it, like, warns other plants around it that there's a giraffe in the neighborhood. I was so hoping you were going to say it released a chemical that made it grow even taller than a giraffe. Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? And then the giraffes have to get taller. These plants pop up, like, four inches, like, and then, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We call them tiptoe trees. Yeah. Um, who who else we got? We got to talk about uh, young Tommy. Oh, the kid, the magic, the magic, yeah. uh, the magic store kid. Yeah. What do you thought, guys think of him? I was. <laughs> I, I thought he was okay. Uh, we we looked it up. He's actually gone on to quite a long career doing a lot of acting. But he wrote. Uh, he's also a screenwriter too. He wrote both of the um, Twenty One Jump Street films. That came oh, really? Recently that were actually yeah. pretty darn funny. Oh. Um, so yeah, he's still he's still working on stuff. But cool. in this. He's a little strange. I mean, we I, first see him on rollerblades because they w- did want to hammer home the 90s or yes, the approaching exactly. 90s at a few moments. He had to be a cool yeah. kid, so he had to be on rollerblades. Yeah. But he's cool um, kid. He calls the other out, kid yeah. saps. Yes. <laughs> right. He's a cool he's got, kid who probably liked uh, Harry on Night Court. Oh, he probably, kind of was just like, he was just like the, the, the Harry Stone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Harry Stone was his na- character's name, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's Boom cool guy. though. He's no, cool. I don't think he's so cool either. at the magic shop. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, it's like yeah. When I when I was a kid, one of the places I would hang out was the magic shop. Oh, I loved going to the magic shops, kid. Yeah, oh, but and there were kids who hung out there a lot, but they were not like brash, bold, and like in your face. They were not showing off tricks. They tended to like huddle in corners right. and just show tricks to each other. And they they tended to be like kind of quiet, retiring kids. I've also never seen. A gaggle of excited children at the front desk begging to see, like, a uh, 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 stick on a string trick or whatever. Yeah. The Svengali deck was what he ended on, which Svengali. is a real thing. And you can look that up on Wikipedia, actually, it's, so I don't mind telling you because it's the secret's pretty much out. But it's one of the simplest trick decks, and it's... Um, it's like every other card is shortened a little bit, so when you riffle through it, your thumb doesn't catch on those cards. Oh. And, then, and all those shortened ones are the same. Oh. So if you can picture it, that means if you riffle one way, all you would see is that same shortened card because it would snap past your thumb every time. And if you riffle the other way, you would never.
never see any of that card, right? And so that allows you to do a bunch of things, whether it's forcing them to pick that card by riffling through and saying, tell me when to stop, or, you know, if you've ever seen someone do a trick where they make it look like the whole deck has changed into the card you chose, that's probably what they were using. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and buy one of those decks. (laughs) You can do a lot with it. (laughs) All right, then. And then I don't know if you saw the kids. Yeah, they, they, don't enfor- they don't enforce the uh, corner, like, uh, three-card money games and whatnot in Philadelphia very much. So, yeah, right. I should be in good shape. <laughs> Plus, the Democratic Convention's coming next year, so I can make a lot of dough. There you go. <laughs> and then the kid does his little card trick there, too. And I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that or if you spotted how it's done. Because, interestingly, no, interestingly, I think... So he does it twice, right? The first time, there's some camera cuts, so it could have been faked. But the second time he does the trick, it's all one shot. So he really does it. Um... But it, that this is the one where he Columbo picks the Ace of Diamonds and he makes it appear yeah. back top of the pack. Yeah, and if right. you watch very closely, it gives it. There's a there's like a frame that get, or you know a little second in the trick where you can see what he does and it gives it away. And there's two things actually. Like at one point, it looks like he's kept a little break in the cards with his finger, like he's kept a spot in there. Mm-hmm. But that, as far as I can tell, has nothing to do with it, and that's either an accident or an intentional misdirection. Oh, neat. but uh. Yeah, but like I could, I could tell you, but you might actually uh, have no, no. Fun. Let's, 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 I want to go back and see yeah, it. I want to go back and see it. it our viewers, yeah. they can go back and see it too. You'll spot one little thing that you probably weren't supposed to see, and it won't, it won't be quite right, and then that will get you thinking about what could be keep shifty keep about that, that deck card. Never forget that it's a trick. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. That see, that's the thing. Okay, get down on the kid and the, the the character as it's written in performance. But that I think is one of the is maybe the best line on the episode. Yeah, I quote that line to people all the time when yeah. they ask me about how magic's done or how they should look at it and stuff. I'm always like, I say, there's this kid in Colombo who has the advice you need. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> it comes down to that. And yeah, that, well, thank, thank William, you, Tommy. William Reed Woodfield. No, thank you, William Reed Woodfield. Yeah. <laughs> throwing that in there. Um, oh, what's the one thing? There was one thing I was going to bring. Oh, uh, we, we've brought it up many times. We haven't quite addressed it uh, directly. Uh, the pronunciation of the <laughs> word guillotine. Because you think, and actually, uh, one of our listeners, um, uh, uh, Samara Shimana, she brought up, um, yeah, guillotine, like, but, uh, it's kind of like the way Johnny Cash uh, pronounced homicide. Homo, homo. <laughs> kept pronouncing robot the entire okay, robot one is episode. <laughs> but this one is just strange because you think it's it's just going to be Columbo. And like, no, everybody can out- pronounces it guillotine for some weird yeah, wasn't reason. That- that's just like a that's a dialectic thing. I I vaguely remember that that's how everybody pronounced it. Yeah, I just assumed that was how everyone pronounced it, and it's probably more common in America because I'm in Canada, right? So occasionally we have the more European. And also, uh, you're, it, our, you're our first Canadian guest. Congratulations! All right, there we you will go. be sending the certificate in the mail. Okay, excellent. Uh, next next week. Uh, I think the, the, well, the, the post. The yeah. weather's pretty bad, so it might not get here. You know. I'll try. <laughs> I'll mark it down. Yeah. The weather. By email, perhaps. I'll send you a PDF. Right. <laughs> okay. Nice. Uh, uh, but yeah, I could swear that folks used to just pronounce it guillotine when I was a kid. Really? It, it never stood out to me watching the episode, to be honest. And when you guys yeah. started saying it at the beginning of this thing, I was like, oh, is that weird? I think that's how I say it, too. I thought <laughs> I, I, it struck me as weird because I've heard it as guillotine my whole life, kind of. Hmm. It, it's a weird thing because sometimes it's. France. So right. maybe that's why. Well, it's a weird thing because sometimes it's pretentious to use the French pronunciation and then other oh. times you're expected to. Like if someone says résumé, you don't want to talk to them much <laughs> after or that. Or borrow me a dollar. Yeah. yeah like that. What the? What? What? Borrow me a dollar? 
That's the worst French I've ever heard. I know. It's good. What's the, the – I've heard, a, again, on QI, Stephen Fry pronouncing questionnaire in the French way, which was the most insane word. Oh, what is that? What does that sound like that? I was – oh. Uh, it was a questionnaire. What's like, okay, just, that's, just, that's just showing off then. It's all over the map. Yeah. But that's showing off a lot more than guillotine. I mean, that's <laughs> – come on. But Quest- anyway, I could, I, it didn't strike me as too odd because I swear that's how I heard it growing up. I know it's guillotine, but – well, in Michigan, we pronounced it guillotine. On uh, the the high-class suburbs of Michigan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Michigan, it's all suburbs. Actually, no. I lived, I lived in the suburbs of Michigan, which would be Ohio and Illinois. Yeah, wait, so, And Wisconsin. Wait, wait. And Canada? No, Windsor. It would be Windsor. You could not have been growing up in the deep urban areas. I don't, I don't believe no, I was, the we our, our biggest thing at uh, my uh, uh, junior high school was uh, the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. Yeah, that was a big club there. Right. Club there. So just straight rural. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so how about uh, the way in which Columbo actually uh, traps the murderer at the end of this one? Mm-hmm. That one is... I mean, he's got a good idea that, that he's you know switched the labels on the darn uh, safety thing. Uh, thing, but still, it's taking an awful big chance, don't you think? Yeah, that's crazy. That, that I can't was like kinda, that. Really that was kind of strange. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of strange. Because also, like you know, I mean, I don't know precisely how the mechanism is designed or whatever, but I mean, a, a guy like Blake, who's familiar with that stuff and who has also you know built his career on being really observant and having a great memory and stuff, would yes. probably notice they'd been switched or just be able to see the way the track is different inside right. or whatever yes. that caught yeah. you know, like yeah. So it seems, yeah, that seemed a little ridiculous to me. I mean, I get why it's a fun ending and why they wanted to do it, but I can't really imagine anyone taking that risk. Right? Yeah, that was that was that kind of was a little strange to me. It's like, and then hey, the gun gambit thing. was strange, like with the the bang gun, but it was kind of fun. Like I smiled at it, but I didn't quite understand because they, show, because they showed it earlier. And if you're going to show a wacky check fake bang gun, 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 okay, in the first act. Columbo's right. going to use it in the third act. True. It was kind of alarming to see Columbo reach into his jacket for a gun. Yes, I know. I was I like, what have they done? Yes. Oh, the 90s are terrible. Oh, no. Yeah. The last 10 the years later, have been really rough on me. Click. Yeah. Because yeah. later there is an episode in the, where Columbo pulls a gun on someone for real in oh, that, undercover, that undercover episode where he goes undercover. Oh, I have not seen that one. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. And the guy's going to he sees the guy through the door going to draw a gun on him. And he, uh, it's, it's, it's a funny scene, but it's a very weird episode. There's two that were like total changes to the format. And it's that one and then the weird serial killer one um, or like psychopathic killer one. And that has Bulldog from Frasier in it. Oh, <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, that one's... Do you not know the one I mean? It's called Ooh, No I've Time to it. Die. No, I haven't it's, seen that one yet. It's very strange. It's like it's about like a, another cop is getting married and his someone kidnaps his wife. And it's like a psychopathic oh, oh. killer. Like it's trying to play on like the Buffalo Bill kind of type of killer almost. Not quite, not quite that extreme, but... Um, and then so it's like cut between like Columbo working with all these other cops hot on the trail to try to find who kidnapped her and then her like living with this psychopath who's got her kept so up in a so, room it sounds yeah. to me like someone had a script for another thing <coughs> they couldn't sell they thought, ah, i'll throw columbo in there we got to fill in like the last episode of this season yeah that doesn't sound like that's so strange well that's, it's that's very the, weird we'll talk about it more when we get to undercover but you know ed Mc, uh, undercover is an old ed mcbain script oh that's right. that one yeah oh, the, it's okay okay so it's, also, it wasn't even in columbo 
Weird. Yeah. Sorry. Just also, I remembered a fun fact. The serial killer one is mentioned in the lat, like right towards the end of the Larry Sanders show. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> one, one of the episodes of the Larry Sanders show has Peter Falk on it briefly as a guest on the Larry Sanders show in the oh, show. Yeah. And the question that Larry Sanders asks him was, so that Columbo kidnapping episode, that was pretty weird, wasn't it? Or something oh, like that's that. that's what that is? That's what it's referring oh to, a real recent god. episode of Columbo that totally broke the format. Oh yeah. my god. It's weird to think of the time overlap, but they were. That well, was the same I, time. I gotta yeah. go. My mind's just been blown a little bit. <laughs> because there's a connect, been a connection between Larry Sanders and Columbo. Holy crap. Wow. And then Peter Falk gets distracted by damned. two people having sex yes, in the controller's Yes, booth. that's yeah. right. Yes. Oh my god. Alright, we'll try to hunt that down for well, the Well, I gotta rewatch page. that. That's nuts. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I know. It blew my mind. I just stumbled across it totally by accident. I decided to rewatch some Larry Sanders show episodes because I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I, I, I'd just Holy been about crap. at that same point in Colombo. That's insane. Yeah, I got to look <laughs> that one up now. Oh, my God. That's nuts. Um, I'm trying to – there was, like, one other thing I wanted to ask. Oh, oh. So uh, the um, I know something that uh, came up uh, when I was watching this originally – uh, my wife watching it, and then also I noticed it again. The the actual uh, trick, the gimmick uh, that uh, Blake pulls and that Columbo duplicates, the thing with the the fake uh, location thing and the marker, and and it's to come up like, okay, so you're the guy, you're in the car, uh, you've been told to stare someplace, put on the blindfold, mark the book. It seems like a, a weak point there is the whole thing of like, well, what if you put like the, the marker or some other place in the book and you look and it's just, oh, it's right in the middle, like around the middle every single time. And then also at the end when Columbo is demonstrating to Blake in the loft how he knew he did it, he makes like the he pulls out the book and there is no mark on the book. Like the book that they're actually using as a prop has no red marker thing on it. Well, I thought it he, did. No, it does. No, it, it didn't. No, I did not see one. No. I could be wrong I though, because I rewound I it a couple it. times and I didn't see one on there. Oh, so well, but, that just seems like a mistake. But I, I could have sworn I saw it. But oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I well, the thing with them, you know, you're off the show. I'm hanging up. That's it. <laughs> We're done. Finished. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the thing, yeah, yeah. The thing with the weak point is, yeah. In in theory, that could be a weak point, and that's why you know you wouldn't like, especially with them being totally off site from you when they're on stage with you, you can keep things moving along and not give them time to think about that. But it, there are a couple details if you notice that part of the instructions included replace the cap on the marker and put it away and everything right. before taking your blindfold off. And it's when you add that little amount of time, if you then open your blindfold and look and see uh, the mark isn't where point. you yes. felt like your hand was. What is your? Are, what are you going to think? Right. Are you going to think, oh, this is a huge a huge ruse or oh weird i guess i that, i guess i must have touched it closer to the center than i thought i did because other thing I was right? too, like, like the, the guys they used to do it, like the first time uh, when it was blank it, they're using military guys who are used to following orders you just do these things you don't question it that's it and it seems like those guys are kind of conditioned to like okay well i just do this don't think about it and i just look take the picture and that's it and then the second yeah. time it's cops kind of the same type of thing but then also people when they think they're in some sort of scientific experiment or exhibition, they're probably going to overlook a lot of things too and forgive a lot of uh, yeah. things that might seem weird in the time and the moment because all the rest of the experiment and the things they're being told to do are so strange. Something as small as that, they might also overlook that and just kind of like, oh, not really bother with that because everything else is so odd. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I want to try at some point, I'm going to try to do that 
trick for an audience, but using Google Street View. So oh, I can get really? someone in the so I can get someone in the crowd to look up the location on Google Street View and do it that way. I, oh. I haven't figured out all the details, but I want to try that sometime. That's a good idea. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think it would be fun. <laughs> wow, bring it to the twenty eh, early twenty first century. Yeah, no, that that's actually a really good idea. Okay, but issue with map books though. Anyway, just to be like. Well, the tough part there, though, is actually getting a map book with all the same pages. I mean, you could get it all printed up really nicely. That'd be expensive. Just putting it in the same spot eh, for like five nights, hours. That's where you go. That's where you go to. That's where you go to uh, AA. No, at AAA. AAA. Right. (laughs) AA. Sorry. You got to. You got to AA because because those people are easy to fool. You got. You got nothing to do. You're bored. Come on. Yeah. No, triple A still makes map books. You just tell right. them on same page maps. Ah, I guess so, <laughs> Could I get yeah. like a 150 page map book? But I need the same thing, and you can uh, spiral bound it too. It's not anything weird. Have you, you ever gotten a map book from from triple I never have. That's the I haven't had a car thing. in ten years. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, good point. My wife still does it, even though we've got GPS. She still likes getting the map books from AAA. Well, they do. I didn't know this was a service they offered. They do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you, just call you, to you just call them and say, like, I need a map from here to here to here. Like, to also, you guys states. have never heard of Lulu. You, and, like, you could do this. You go to Kinko's and do it. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, my original plan was to just use shots from Google Maps, a bunch of them, uh-huh. and print that off. But I, th- I think the thing of having someone in the audience with the actual, with their phone. Yeah. You know, and then being amazed. Because they're yeah. going to be, like, right there in the audience. I mean, that, that yeah, that's a neat trick. That would yeah, be better. So. It's a lot more immediate. They're right there. Man, yeah. I hope I hope you figure out a way to pull that off because that sounds like All a really right. cool idea. I yeah. will let you know if keep, I do. <laughs> yeah, keep us in the loop because I want to see that one get done. Absolutely. Um, so I, we've covered a lot. Is there anything else you guys want to cover from this? I'm looking at my notes now. I think I covered most of the things that were very peculiar. Uh, uh, only other thing I had was that Max Dyson is the toughest name on any episode of Columbo ever. <laughs> oh, that is pretty tough. That's a oh, super and tough. also and also Anthony Zerby, the guy who played him, uh, he's the guy. Uh, that Christopher Walken yells at in the dead zone. <laughs> Tells about the ice is going to break. It's my yeah. favorite scenes. The ice is going to break, and that—that's who he yells at. Even though he's got a weird kind of voice in this one. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, hello, Elliot Blake. That's a perfect impression. I'm going to. Yeah, I know. I'm very good take at that. that take that on the road. I will take that on the road. As far away from here as possible. <laughs> hey, hello. <laughs> good lord. Thirteen of these things. Uh, well, let's uh, yeah, let's wrap this up so I can watch the slap. Oh, that's right. right. Oh my god, that's right. Yes. <laughs> oh no, that's right. This the slap premieres tonight. Okay. Here I, on have one, <laughs> here I have one random thought for you guys that's not specific to this episode, but sure. I just want to put it out there. So have either of you ever played or just read about or seen those uh, games from Telltale? There's a Walking Dead one and a Game of Thrones one now that are sort of like interactive fiction things. They're like the old no. adventure games, but they're modernized and oh, very like the old, well made. Like info games or infograms things or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. or like, no. yeah, like the old, you know, point and click and pick which thing you're going to say in the conversation. Well, there are those updated for the new era. Yeah. They're very good. They're wonderful interactive stories. Like, I think The Walking Dead one is more enjoyable than the show, because I've never really loved that show. Um, anyway, if you ever should have a chance to try one, try one and think about how perfect it would be for a Columbo game, because I actually think it would be the greatest thing, and one of my dreams is to see them pick up Columbo as one of their next properties to turn into those games. Actually, so. you know what? That sort of game would work for this pretty well. 
Yeah, because it's all about conversations and picking what to say. And the real great innovation they made was putting you on a timer. So sometimes you have to really like have a really hard choice to make about what you're going to say in a moment. You only have a couple seconds to make that choice. And turning that into Columbo vying with all of these, you know, wordy murderers would be really fun. The, the, the trick would be to getting like uh, old people to want to play games because that would be. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know why the audience is for. I don't know what the Venn diagram is for people yeah. with, like, iPhone games and Columbo episodes. Well, that's why we also just need to get Columbo to be popular that's with everybody. That's right. Again. Try I, There's two. There's two of these crazy shows out there now. So hopefully that'll... Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Do you think it would be possible for someone to recut some of the really good older episodes just to tighten up the pacing and make them snappier so people aren't so put off by them? Who you know, I know a guy. Kind of I before? know a guy in the TV industry... Uh, his name's Aaron Blair. Maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> he might he might know someone who would be able to do that. To edit down old too long. I would love to hear I would hear Aaron's episodes. director's commentary on that track. <laughs> yes. I'll, Why do they treat him like that? I'll give Aaron Blair a call. We'll see what uh, we'll see what he thinks. We'll <laughs> see what he has to show. say on the speaker phone. Yeah. Uh, so overall, I liked this episode. I thought it was an awfully good one. Because I mean the nineties ones, I, I'm mostly going on the ones that I've seen. I, I, I've seen once back when they originally aired, so it's been ages since I've seen most of these. So my memory is a little fuzzy on some of them, and it's not always a, uh, a positive memory. But this one, I, I like this one a great deal. I was surprised how much I like this one. Uh, you fellows, John? I uh, This was a real strong re-intro to the character. Oh, yeah, this would be the first one. Play. Yeah, after yeah. a long time, this is a great way to get back on the, uh, get back on the track. The it's, one after this... No, but this no. one, yes. It's a it's a shame that the, the they get back on the bike and they're riding it perfectly at first, and then it starts getting really. And then some neighborhood fun. bully comes and shoves it over. Columbo's Columbo's childhood bully shows up. <laughs> Just put yeah, and it's uh, unfortunate that like this be one of the high points of the nineties. Oh, so they peaked. They didn't peak early. They just peaked, and then then just downhill. Yeah, and this but came out in 1989, so that's really saying something. Yeah, <laughs> really exactly. Something. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a few other really good ones that are coming up, admittedly. But and I have a real fondness for Undercover, okay, even if it's, it's not at all a Columbo episode. But yeah, it's this is really it's surprisingly good. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot. Uh, Lee, uh, you enjoyed this one too. I mean, you've got some like uh, uh, personal interest things for it, but aside yeah. from that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even beyond that, I, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, like I said, like I watched these all, all of the Columbo episodes in such a short span of time that I, you know, it actually wasn't until later I went back and started rewatching a lot of them that I was able to pick out which ones I liked more and less because to me it was just, you know, oh, it's all Columbo and it's all great. But uh, this is definitely a good one. I, I like it oh, a lot. Great. And it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the experience would have been like to not see Columbo for 11 years and then that scene, you know, of him lighting up his face with his cigar. I, it would have been fun to know what that felt like. I'd love to oh, talk yeah, to definitely. somebody who was a Columbo fan in the 70s and who was then excited about it coming back and was, you know, sat down to watch. I'd love to know what their opinion on the episode was. But, uh, you know what? That's, yeah. that's actually a good point. You know what? I, so, you know what? Folks out there listening, uh, if there's anyone who is in that category, uh, write to us. Tell us what that was like. Write to us at uh, Columbo at the city We would like to know, or even drop a comment. On this episode at uh, thecitydesk.net slash just one more thing. Um, yeah, thank you, Lee, for doing this. We appreciate this. Uh, some just really great background on 
like the kind of other levels that there were to this episode of a 90s murder mystery television show that you wouldn't think there were otherwise. I mean, this, yeah, it's been really cool stuff. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been really fun. Uh, and if folks want to find your stuff online or find out where you're going to be doing things, where you're going to be performing or writing, and what, uh, where should they go to find that sort of thing? Um, well, you know, for my writing and most of my presence is on techdirt.com, tech like technology, dirt mm-hmm. like dirt. Um, and uh, other than that, I don't have a huge presence online as far as my mentalism performances go. It's all pretty local in Toronto. Uh, I'm always around in the comments. If you're in Toronto and you want to know more, talk to me. I'll find you. And I'll <laughs> there, you yeah. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that's the show for this week. Uh, you know, like I said before, you can follow us um, on uh, on on their website, uh, thecityus.net slash just one more thing, or you can also find the podcast on the uh, uh, podcast section of iTunes and TV and film section. Uh, we also are on Twitter at J-O-M-T Podcast, and we also have one of those Tumblr things that the kids like. Post an images. No animated gifts, though, but post an images. Uh, John usually puts up a, a great set of screen grabs from every episodes and his write-up of his thoughts of things. That's at uh, teamcolumbo.tumblr.com. And like we said before, uh, write to us, ask us things, tell us things, suggest things. We like getting email from you folks. Columbo at thecitydesk.net. And the comment section, we always read the comment section every episode. We get emails when they come up. We read them on the website. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. We've got a very, very uh, good, smart audience. And we appreciate you guys for doing that stuff. Uh, But yeah, that's program uh, for this time around. I'm RJ White. I'm John Morris. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Just one more thing. And and now, uh, Manning Crawl's notes on Columbo Goes the Guillotine. Ghostbusters ESP scene. Ha! Huh. Blake sometimes talks like Thurston Howell III. April Fool Paula, say hello to the boogeyman. This is extremely fun to mimic. I can't stop doing it. Blake in his ridiculous white ESP jumpsuit looks like the freaking Beyonder or some shit. <laughs> James I'm Rand- sorry, can I laugh? Yeah. Um, Columbo acts super old in this app, but then he runs a bit. Catches up with tour group. He is sprightly. <laughs> Racist costumes. Columbo comments from India. Ha ha, this was terrible. Plant feels fear. Give me a fucking break. Fuck you. <laughs> Columbo speaks the fucking plant. Jesus Christ almighty. <laughs> Kindly magic store guy puts Columbo in the possibly faulty device that killed his friend. Nice. At the funeral, I thought the one magician guy was going to throw the dove in the grave. Ha ha. Blake palms the bullet. (laughs) Blake palms the bullet. It's still a little bit visible. Ha, some illusionist. Columbo is a shitty illustrator. Columbo risks his life in the guillotine, which is dumb. Columbo pulls a gun. WTF. Oh. (laughs) That was Manning Crawl's notes from Columbo Goes the Guillotine. A copyrighted feature of... Uh...